2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. So I'm back in the gym. I didn't go to the gym at all while I was in Ghana. I was like, I'm on vacation. I did my walks for maintenance to make sure I didn't undo my progress, but as far as actually like working out, working out, no. And then since I've been back, I've just been resting, trying to get back on a proper time zone. It took me two or three days to not sleep at weird hours, to actually sleep through the night and get up at like nine o'clock, and which is late for me. I usually be up at like six, seven o'clock, but I'm still not there yet. But yesterday was the first day that I woke up and I didn't feel exhausted for the entire day and usually don't perk up until somewhere around five o'clock, a mess. So I went back to the gym. I was like, well, since I have the energy, let me go burn some of it off. So I went to the gym and I was on the treadmill. I have the weirdest thoughts when I'm on the treadmill. I be thinking about like everything and nothing. And so my first thought was, tell mama. You ever see that, um, it's a viral video. I posted it on my page once. The little girl who drew her eyebrows on and she goes and looks in the mirror and she was like, what did I did, impossible. What did I did is to stand out from the video but the video begins with, tell mama. So I started following the page. The little girl's name is Cammie. She's so adorable. But I started following the page, and I'm obsessed with her mother's cadence. It's like her mom voice when she talks to her. She starts a lot of sentences with, Tell mama. This is the type of shit I think about on the treadmill. Something else came on. Like, I zoned out. I don't remember the thought. And then I was like, why they get that little girl that wasabi? You know the video? Like, the little white girl? She, she has just made a mess of her food. Half her food is on her face. Her mother asks her if she wants wasabi, like the green wasabi that goes with sushi, the hot hot shit. And the little girl's like, no. And then the mom takes the wasabi. And the little girl's like, wasabi. And then the mom gives a baby. She can't be more than two. But she gives a baby wasabi. And it's just a teeny tiny bit. But she's a teeny tiny person. So she gives it a wasabi. And the little girl, she goes, help. It's so sad, but I laugh at it because I'm wrong and I'm going to hell. And then like, I don't know what song came on, but I like I pushed up the treadmill. I was on like a 7.5 incline. I'm like pumping my arms like you know, I got a good sweat going and it popped in my head. And I was like, you should have cursed her to fuck out. <laughs> her is this woman. She's got to be in her 50s. I've Talked about this on social media and people trying to figure out who it is. So many, many years ago, I mean, literally like 11 years ago, I had just quit my job at Essence and I went to a festival. And I was down there hanging out with some friends, probably like four of us, like rolling around the city together. So hanging out, I ran into a good friend. If I dropped her name, you would know who she is. She's also probably in her 50s at this point, too. But she was keynoting at this offsite event. And as we're really good friends, she said, you should come. Like, it'll be great. Right up your alley. Lots of dope people. Like, come through. So met up with my friends, and we went to another event. As we were leaving that event, someone mentioned the event that my friend had invited me to. We figured, like, we'll get there, and we'll show our face, pay our respects. Just to say we were there, so it didn't look like we were snubbing. So we go to the event. 20 minutes left before the, the thing is over. It's at a private house um, off-site from, from the main festival event. I walked in. I spoke to my friend, because she was right there when I walked in the door. And I spoke to the woman hosting the event. I introduced myself. Um, it was a smaller gathering and it was at a house. So like, you don't just walk in somebody's house and just not speak to them. I saw somebody I knew who was standing outside. And so I went outside to speak with my friend and a security guard comes over not so long after maybe five minutes and says, excuse me, i um, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I was like, did something happen? Like, um, I'm here with the keynote speaker. Like she invited me. So he was like, oh, Okay. So then he circles back, and I was like, "That's weird." And I carry on the conversation with a friend. I'm like, "I, I don't know what that was about." So then he comes back, and he was like, "I'm very sorry, but unfortunately, um, the host has specifically requested that you leave this event." And I was like, "Are you are you kidding me?" And he was like, "No, I'm very sorry." And he was very gracious about it. Like I mean, he's just doing his job. He was hired to, you know, secure the facilities, and and I am apparently a threat in some way. So I'm like, "Okay, um, all right." I'm confused more than anything. I wasn't angry. Go back inside. I have to walk back through the house, to the living room where it might've been 15 or 20 people from the event that were sort of like left behind. And at this point, again, it's like 15 minutes till the event is over. So I'm walking out. I see my friends and they're kind of looking like, what's going on? So I was like, hey, so um, I'm being kicked out. I'm not sure what's happening, but like I'm being asked to leave. One of them's the keynote. And she was like, what? No, 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 no. She's like, let me go talk to, The hostess. So she goes and speaks to her. And then my friends who are also, who also know this woman also go over and speak to her and are like, Hey, that's Demetria. Like she came with us. Like she's part of the crew. And then the keynote is like, Hey, I invited her. She's good. And she was like, no, she can't stay. She has to go. What? Your event, your rules. Like I'm, I'm kind of confused. I've never met this woman before in my life, but in my head, I was like, I'm not going to give you, um, a scene. Not because I'm really opposed to making scenes, but I don't want to give her the energy of I'm taking something from her that she really wants. And I'm not even really mad. I'm just really confused because I was like, I ain't been kicked out of shit before. There was a the Waffle House in college once, but I was drunk as fuck and yelling across the restaurant. I deserve to be kicked out. One time thing. Also, there was a club in D.C. I got drunk. I was throwing up in the bathroom. And I didn't even think I was legal. And I got kicked out the club. But other than that, I ain't been kicked out of shit before. So I go outside and I sit in the car. I told my friends, I was like, you know, enjoy yourselves. And then one by one, they came out within like the next five minutes and everyone got in the car and was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I I don't know. And they're like, have you met her before? No, I didn't even know who she was until I ran into my keynote friend earlier. Like I never even heard this woman's name. So it's not a case of like we have a shared history or I was talking shit about her or anything like that. Like I literally didn't know who she was. Whatever. So the incident happened. My friends were pissed about it because they were like, what the fuck? Who does that? Like they were really upset. And when I got back to the hotel, I guess I had a chance to like process everything. And I was like, yo, that was really fucked up. Never saw the woman again. Never spoke to the woman again. I don't think I thought about that incident past maybe like the week after it happened at, at best. But like I said, haven't spoken to the woman, haven't seen anything. She did something that got a bunch of attention, like maybe three or four years ago. She popped up on my social media in a picture with someone else. But so here's what I'm talking about this now. Last week, I get an email and her name is in the subject. I saw it, opened it, something about she's got a book coming out. And I was like, her publicist must have no clue, like the back history of this. She just knows I have a platform and she wants me to promote this book on it. I didn't even pay it any mind. I deleted it. Maybe that was two weeks ago. I think that came. I think that first email came through when I was in Ghana. And I just erased it. And then another email came through at the end of last week from the woman, from her email address, talking about her book is coming up and, you know, could you help for promo? And she'd like to send a gift and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, the audacity of this happened. Are you kidding me? I see it. And I was like, please remove me from this email. And I was like, yo, this lady got a lot of nerve. Maybe you forgot you kicked me out. But now that you've sent me this email, I remember you kicking me out. And I remember how, like, confused I was. I I wasn't hurt because I didn't, I didn't know her to admire her to like want to be in the room. I was just rolling to an event with some friends and I was going to support my friend who was giving the keynote. That's all that was. But like you deliberately like wanted to insult me, humiliate me for what? I didn't know you. I still don't know the woman. So no further emails have come, but I was on the treadmill and I told you, I be thinking about random shit. Tell mama and then the baby with the wasabi. And then I was like, I really should have cursed her out about that shit. Am I the only person that does that? I have this really bad habit. Bad is subjective. It depends on who you're talking to. My knee jerk reaction is just to either ignore shit or brush it off. Maybe a curt response. Like, you know, please remove me from this email list. It's really as fired up as I get these days. And then very often afterwards, I have these moments. Oh, I should have said this. And usually the I should have said this is some version of like, I should have cursed them clean the fuck out. I should have aired this shit out because they deserved it. But I don't. And it bothers me. People feel like they can cross boundaries with me because they know I'm not going to flip. They know I'm not going to curse them out. So it's like, oh, I can just like, say whatever to her. I can do whatever to her. I can treat her whatever way. And she's not going to do anything. I really, honestly, truly believe that the worst of people among us, part of the reason that they act the way they do not enough people have cursed them clean the fuck out. And they're just like, I could just say whatever. I could just do whatever. And there's no consequences. And so that's why I'm just going to act like this. And I feel like this lady is one of those people. Cause you got a lot of fucking nerve. It's very like, what's that lady's name? Clarence Thomas's wife. We talked about her not so long ago. She and her husband, they should be in the middle of like an investigation for some manner of corruption. She was trying to overthrow the election Meanwhile, Trump and his lawyers are going before the Supreme Court, which her husband sits on. I'm like, isn't that a conflict of interest? That's a rhetorical question. It is. But remember, old girl? She was Clarence Thomas's wife when Anita Hill was like, hey, hey, this man was sexually harassing me, asking me about pubic hairs on coat." Jeannie Thomas. I think that's her name. Jeannie, Jenny, one of those. But she called Anita Hill 20 years later and left a voicemail. Telling Anita Hill, she's like, I would never understand why you did what you did to my husband. But I think after all this passage of time, I think you should publicly apologize and explain yourself for why you made up those lies. Some shit like that. Anita Hill hadn't said shit about Clarence Thomas in a good 15 years. She had moved on. She had other jobs. One of them was really high profile. I think she was working at the Knicks. But she hadn't said nothing about Clarence Thomas in in all them goddamn years. Probably like me. Wasn't even thinking about the shit. The genie comments called and left that message. Anita Hill made a copy and made a beeline, either the Washington Post or the New York Times. I wish I could have seen her face when she got that message. She either picked up the phone and called her mama or one of her sisters and be like, you're not going to believe this shit today. Girl, what happened? I feel like that's kind of what old girl did sending me the email. I'm like, did did you forget? Did you forget? Clearly I was nothing to you because you kicked me out your goddamn event. But like, did you really think all these years later, like, you could ask me for a favor? You cannot. I posted on my social media. I had just got home from the gym and I recounted the story and I was like, yo, is it too late to curse this lady out? I want y'all to know I really appreciate y'all as my readers and my listeners because half of y'all were like, curse her ass out. It's never too late. And other people were like, yo, the death blow was please remove me from this email list and you posting this goddamn story. She's humiliated right now. Let it be. Let it be. So I'm gonna let it be. I'm not gonna curse her out unless she email me again. If she emails me again, I might send an audio message. <laughs> I need her to hear the full emphasis in my f- 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 fuck you. It don't really translate quite the same if you write it out. Yeah. That's my week.
0: <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet
1: of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
2: There's good black news this week. I read earlier today that Rihanna had the baby. She had a healthy baby boy on May 13th. I would like to point out that we heard nothing about this baby in six days. I saw it first on B. Scott's page, and then I I went to check other places. Everybody and their mother had it, so a press release must have gone out. But she had a healthy baby boy in L.A., which surprised me. I thought she would have had the baby in Barbados. But a healthy baby boy and mother and child are doing well from what I read. So that is very good to hear. I'm very happy for Rihanna and ASAP. I hope he get his shit together. But we're not going to bring that up on this joyous occasion. I saw Chris Brown send congratulations. I was like, oh, that's decent. And oh, oh, no, wait, 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 wait. Under congratulations, he posted the emoji of the pregnant man. And I was like, sir, sir, why are you being shady? The woman just had a baby. She just had a baby. Like to my recollection, we haven't talked about Chris Brown in a while. He hasn't been doing any crazy shit. I was like, Chris, this was unnecessary. Don't force errors. No forced errors. You didn't need to act like this. You could have just said congratulations. His congratulations went from a, a possible genuine congratulations to, like, you know, very Vesta. I thought it would have been me. Oh, Christopher. <sighs> Other good news, I saw the Tabitha. Tabitha has a new collection that's coming out next month at Target. It's very cute. I Googled her name with Target yesterday, and there was a complete list of of everything in the collection it seems everything is under 44 dollars, so it's a very affordable collection i'm not sure who designed it but it's very tabitha it's very like on brand for her because you know she's known for like the big sunglasses so there's a couple pairs of those the big bright colorful clothes lots of her clothes look like farm rio i know somebody at farm rio is gonna be like yo she just jacked our shit did kind of did she did well, but i not in a bad way um farm rio can get kind of expensive sometimes um but really, really cute clothes. And the campaign is really, really cute. Tabitha's all all up in it, obviously, because it's her line. But her daughter, Chance, that's a beautiful girl. That's a really beautiful girl. She looks just like a mama. Remember they, like, I was about to say they swapped faces. Remember they dressed up as each other for Halloween and you really, like, had to do a double take on who's who? Because they literally have the exact same face. Her daughter's all up in the campaign, just as cute as she could be. And from what I saw, there was also, there was a plus-size model in the campaign I don't know if she was just a model or she's somehow like, you know, part of team tab. I didn't recognize her, but it does lead me to believe that the clothes come in, you know, a range of plus sizes. So it's so it's inclusive in that sense. So that's good. But it's a really cute rollout. And I'm super, super happy for her. Four years ago, Tab was driving an Uber. Look, just keep living. Just keep living. There's other good tab news. She's got a bunch of good stuff coming down the pipeline. Her show Tab Time. The show for the kids, it got picked up for a second season on YouTube. And she's also got this other new show coming out. I don't know if it's it's necessarily her show. It's called Recipe for Change. I saw her in the commercial. It's her, Mary J. Blige, and some other black women. I have to look that up. I didn't put in my notes where that show was airing. Oh, no, I did. Hold on, I did. So I'm reading this on Vibe. It says Saweetie and Tabitha Brown will serve as co-hosts, and they will partner with chefs, including Khalees. It says Recipe for Change will see the ladies come together to celebrate the stories, traditions, identities, and experiences of black women as they gather around the dinner table. The series is set to premiere Thursday. Oh, that's today, Thursday, on Jason Lee's Jubilee YouTube channel. They said the guests will include Chloe Bailey, Winnie Harlow, Kelly Rowland, Keisha Lance Bottoms, Roxane Gay. Sarah Jakes Roberts, Lynn Whitfield, Yaya DeCosta, Lonnie Love, journalist Danielle Dunn, fellow journalist, we love Danielle here, Angelica Ross, and Elaine Ross. I love Elaine. Elaine just had a baby too. She ain't revealed the baby's face yet, which is fine. No judgment, no rush. But she and her husband are such a cute couple. I was like, I want to see this baby. I actually know Elaine in real life. I probably could just text her and be like, hey, I want to see the baby. But congratulations to her. I feel like Tabitha is in her winning season. She also has a good restaurant. I have not been to it. She has a vegan restaurant here in L.A. I need to make my way over there. I love me some Tad. I saw her at Essence Black Women in Hollywood and went over to speak. And I was like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. We had a good heartfelt moment. I'm so proud of her. I'm giving a deep sigh, not for the person I'm about to speak about next, but for how we've treated her. Lori Harvey finally decided to speak to us. You know, Lori Harvey don't really talk that much. Until she was promoting her skincare line, the only thing we'd really heard from Lori Harvey, why? Why? You know how I love to do the Lori Harvey voice. She had a low voice. I think Lori Harvey's voice is lower than mine. I have to go down to register to do why? But Lori Harvey finally decided to speak to us. When she was promoting her skincare line, she did a, she did a, a YouTube video on Vogue. And then she went on The reel, And then she stopped speaking to us. I was like, okay, she'll talk to us when she has something to promote. She walked the Met Gala. We talked about her dress. I didn't love it. I think, she's, I think she's one of the cutest people on two feet. I just didn't feel the dress was a, a great choice for that occasion. Not even like a misstep. It just wasn't. We've seen her give. I didn't feel like the Met was her giving. Did you see her in this yellow dress when she went to Cannes? She looks like um, she, on the red carpet at Cannes Film Festival. It's giving Disney princess in the best of ways. It's very much giving Princess Tiana. Like she looks so beautiful. Like she looked like a doll. That, giving. The Met, not so much, but her body looked amazing and people started asking her what was her workout regimen because like her abs were like popping through the dress. There's nothing wrong with her abs per se. It was just like the way the light caught them and the way the dress highlighted them. It it, it it didn't work for me, but respect. But you could look at her body and see that she's been putting in the good work. But she talked to Essence on the red carpet and she talked about like doing Pilates. So people kept following up and we were like, girl, that those abs are more than Pilates. People were hounding her the way we used to hound Sierra about the Russell prayer. You know, what are you doing, Lori? What are you doing, Lori? What are you doing, Lori? So Lori got on TikTok and was like, hey, so here's my workout plan. She said that she gained weight when she started dating Mike. That's what she calls Michael B. Jordan. And I was like, Mike? Mike? She said when she started dating him, she gained 15 pounds of relationship weight. And she was unhappy with her appearance. So she said she cut her calories to 1,200 a day. And she was doing Pilates, and she also said someday she was working out twice a day. Maybe I've lived in L.A. too long, where sometimes people can do extreme things to lose weight. And they're so extreme that I can lose perspective on what's normal or not. But this didn't strike me as abnormal. I have many friends, most of them work in front of the camera, who when they have a big project coming up, like that's what they do. Like they're not starving themselves They're cutting calories and they're doing the physical work to get the weight off. But folks were like outraged and they were like, this sounds like some eating disorder shit. 1200 calories is ridiculous. I started reading the responses from personal trainers, nutritionists. And obviously, like, I am not a nutritionist. I am not a personal trainer. Don't take advice from me. I'm just telling you what I read. But I saw several nutritionists and trainers that were like, yeah, like the lowest a woman should go is 1,200 calories a day. And if you're trying to get weight off fast, then like, yes, the more cardio you do. And even when Lori Harvey was, was, tell- was talking about doing two-a-days, she said she was trying to lose 15 pounds. She said for the first six weeks, she was doing two-a-days. So it's clearly taking her more than six weeks to lose 15 pounds. The way she's taking off weight actually sounds reasonable to me. The idea is that working out to lose weight, you're not supposed to lose more than two pounds a week to do it healthy. So it's six weeks. She should take off 12 pounds. She's implying that it took more than six weeks to take off 15 pounds. But folks dragged her so bad, said she had eating disorders, said she was a bad role model for telling women how to lose weight. She had to follow up and be like, I didn't tell anybody how to do anything. People asked me what I did and I shared what I did. Nothing more, nothing less. But and I was like, it's going to be a month of Sundays before we hear from Lori Harvey again. It took her years to speak to us. Just to get on TikTok and be, you know, fun and friendly and share the good word. We're done. And we're not going to hear from Lori Harvey again for quite some time. And it's all y'all's fault. It's all y'all's fault. Y'all did it. I really like Lori. We have a treat today. You know, I don't really do interviews that much. I never really did. I don't think I've done an interview all of this year. But... Our friend Bevy. Bevy is a friend of the show. She's been on several times. The first time we had her on this podcast, it was to talk about her debut book, Bevelations, Lessons from a Mother, Auntie, and Bestie. And the second time, it was because she was starring in and a consultant for Harlem on Amazon Prime. It's coming back for a season two, which I'm really, really excited about. And this time, Bevy has a TED Talk that drops in the morning. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be live. And so she called me and she was like, I want to come back. And I was like, well, come on back, baby. Come on back. We're always happy to have you. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, those who don't identify as either my friend, my mentor, a mother, Bevy Smith. Hi, Bevy.
1: Bevy, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast again. Welcome. Thank you, my love. I'm so excited to be here. And and thank you for allowing me to come back on. Uh, uh, the reason why I wanted to come back on is because I meet women in the street, like literally every month. They're like, oh my God, I heard you on Demetria Lucas's podcast and I love you. And I'm like, oh, okay, Demetria Lucas with the with the loyal um, listeners. So I said, let me tap into Miss Demetria Lucas's folks, because they need to know about this. It gets greater later mandate than I'm under.
2: Yes, yes. They are living embodiments of it gets greater later. So for half of this audience, I feel like you're talking to the uh the preacher talking to the choir. Because my my women, one, they they support and then two, like they live. They live. So yeah. Um, I am so excited about this TED Talk. And I feel like you are very excited about your TED Talk too, because I've known you for years and years and years. And I've seen you excited about a lot of things. And I feel like this one, is this like a, a goal of yours? Is this like a, a what's the word I want to use?
1: Was it like a bucket list? Um, a bucket list, yes. No. Let me tell you something that's so interesting about the TED Talk situation. I literally have never had a TED Talk on my vision board or anything like that because I always knew I would do a TED Talk. I knew I wouldn't have to do TEDx. No, no disrespect to anyone who does TEDx. But I knew that I would be called to the main stage. And I knew I would not have to pursue it. I knew that it would come to me. So I didn't even have it on the vision board. I just knew it was going to happen. How did you know? I knew that my message and my life and what I've accomplished was worthy of a TED Talk. When does the TED Talk debut? When do we get to see it? It debuts on Friday, May twentieth.
2: Oh, so tomorrow we're, yes. we're taping this on Thursday for people who are listening in. Okay, so by the time the people hear this, the TED Talk will be available. Yes. And where can people watch it?
1: On the TED platform.
2: So, tell me how this whole thing came to be cuz I saw the the videos of you and a bunch of friends. Like you went you took like a party of people to Vancouver to do this TED Talk. But how did it all come to be?
1: Um as usual, you do the work, right? You know, that's always been my mantra, mantra Demetria. I, I'm a big believer in you do the work and, and that's all you need to be doing. Um, and so when my book came out during the raging pandemic, I wasn't able to do a book tour because you couldn't go outside and commune with people. So in the summer of 2021, I did a truncated book tour that was in conjunction with my motivational speaking course that I do called life with vision, dining with mm-hmm. Bevy, life with vision. Yes. There was a wonderful young woman who came to the one that I did in DC in 2021. But the interesting thing is that she had attended one in 2016 in New York city. So she comes back in 2021 and For my life revision, I'm on my feet for two hours while you guys are eating brunch. I'm on my feet for two hours talking about my life, how I changed it, the tips, the tools, all the things. And I also seat everyone according to what their dreams are. So Demetria, you want to move to Ghana and become a beauty pageant queen. Well, I'm going to put you next to someone who is a world traveler, who has traveled extensively to West Africa, and also just happens to have been Miss Kentucky in 2020. I'm a, you, so I I really curate the seats. So this young woman, Kirsten, when I'm done, she says, "Oh my God, Bevy, you know this is a TED Talk," and I was like, "Oh, okay." And she's like, "I work for TED." I was like, "Oh, okay." She's like, "Do you mind if I put your name in the hat?" to be, um, to, to do a TED talk. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't really think much of it. And then it came back a couple of months later, like maybe a month later. And she was like, I really think that we should move ahead with you doing this TED talk. And then she got me involved with all the TED muckety mucks. And we talked about what it was that I wanted to do and say, I gave them a couple of different options. And you know, this all stems out of my book, Revelations, right? This is so crazy. And, um, that's why people that are listening, it's very important. If you can write a book, write a book, all the places you will go, right, Demetria? The book is the foundation for like everything. For everything. So I gave them a couple of different options and they loved, it gets greater later, which if you follow me on anything, you know, that is my mantra. That is my affirmation. That is my prayer. That's my belief system. And so that's how it came about. And it was pretty magical. What was it like standing on that stage? Because this is
2: something this is a bucket list thing for me. Like I have a big dream and vision to do a TED talk. So you doing it is me living vicariously in this moment.
1: It was surreal. Um I was very protected on so many different levels. Um, my mom was there. My mom is 94 years old, so my mom came, my sister. My son, who also—I don't have people that came out of my vagina children, but I have spiritual children. Um, my son, um, who also does my marketing stuff, he came. Um, and then I knew people that were at TED, um, and so I knew there was a lot of love in the room. I knew I had a lot of support in the room. There's a Black at TED group that all of us found each other, and were, we were all on WhatsApp. So I, I, my talk was like the third day. This, the third day of TED. So by then, we had all been seeing each other and hanging out. But one of the most magical moments was when I was in the green room and Ava DuVernay walks in. And I know Ava for a long time. And, she, and I'm like, Ava, she's like, don't get up. I'm here to see you. And I was like, that is like, I mean, hello. Oh. Like Ava What's came funny. back to, you know, the TED conference. It meant something to me that she walks in right as I'm about to go on stage. I'm like, wow. Wow. So I felt very loved. I felt very covered. And I also felt very much like, well, one, I don't deal in imposter syndrome. Uh, that's not something that I'm crippled by. So I certainly didn't have that. And I felt very much like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. And these people that are like some of the richest people in the world, some of the smartest people in the world, they need to hear from me. How did you decide what to wear? Well, my, my talk was very bevy. And I knew that most people go to TED and they wear like their little uniforms. Even women wear blazers, or people wear like lots of crisp white shirts and cotton and things like that. And they want to kind of give off this kind of casual look that's like, oh, yeah, I'm just here like having a talk. And that's not my steeze at all. So I wanted to show up and show out as Harlem Bevy. So the first thing I knew is that I wanted to wear very high heels and I wanted to wear Louboutins because in my book, I have something called the red sole proposition. And basically the red sole proposition is about you creating a red sole proposition in your own life, meaning that Louboutin is able to charge more money than any other shoe brand in the world. So in my book, it's my hope that I'm teaching you to actually apply that to your own life. Like get your own red soul. Like what is your red soul, so that they can pay you more money than they pay anybody else. So the red soul was a very good talisman for me, right? So I knew I wanted to wear Louboutins, and then I was like, and I want to show up as curvy. I want to show. I don't want to shroud it. I want to show up and let them see, but the titties and the booty. You know, I wanted to show up. I wanted them to see the legs, and I wanted them to get the feeling and the spirit. <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. (laughs) And I knew to ask you that because I was like, you're a fashionista at heart. And I was like, you put good thought into what am I going to wear for this? How am I going to present?
1: Yes. And and the entire time I was there, like, you know, you do a lot of walking. I wanted to make sure that everything I had on was still super cute. Because again, a lot of times you go into these spaces, especially these spaces where Black people don't really own the space. And a lot of times we feel like we're interlopers or we're visitors that have to mind our manners. And I refused to go in there like that. So I wanted to go in there and show up as Bevy. So I did have cleavage, you know, um the first day of the the, the conference. And I, I did go into the conference and like, I had these really, because it's Vancouver, it rains a lot. So I had these really beautiful high heel rain boots on. Like I wanted to set the tone. And surely enough, the people when I initially met them were like, they know what hit them. Cause again, it's a lot of academics. It's a lot of tech geeks. And it's a lot of like, you know, scientists and like, you know, people of that ilk. So they didn't know me from a can of paint. And then when I came in the way I came in, they were certainly like, well, what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Um, But what was so great about it, Demetria is that when the, when my talk ended, well one, I got a, a rousing standing ovation. Good. Two, the they they had me stay up on the stage to ask me questions, which only happens if they really enjoyed the talk. Um and then three, once I got off the stage, I was swarmed and my book sold out before I could even get to the book signing. Good. Congratulations. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's get into this magical talk.
2: Um, just snippets because I want people to go and listen to the, the entire thing. Um, but you sent it to me, just the written version at like three o'clock this morning on my, my time. And I was halfway asleep and I woke up, like woke fully up and like read through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? It's great reading it. I can't wait to watch you deliver it. But there's so many gems in this. Um, and a lot of it is things that we've talked about offline, behind the scenes. And you're sharing this with the world, so I'm super excited. But my favorite, and it's your first, like your first, uh, I guess, uh, gift of, what's the word? Why can't I think this morning? Advice, don't settle. It's very hard not to settle. It feels so much easier on the front end to
1: settle. It does, except that once you get into the settle space, we'll find out that you have a long life ahead of you. So if you've settled thinking it's just gonna be easier, it's only gonna get harder as the years go by. <laughs> and that has I mean, and that that can be pertaining to a man, um, into friend relationships, even into familial relationships, and certainly in your love relationships. The settle, it, it will kill you. You know, I always say the only thing that you should that that you want to settle is your facelift and your ass <laughs> lift, your BBL. You want those things to settle. Other than that, you don't want no settling in your life. How do you know when you're settling? Hopefully, you've done the introspective work and you're honest with yourself, and and you know when it doesn't feel right. Um, you know, uh, just recently, Hoda Kotb from the Today Show announced that she had broken up with her fiance and the man that she had adopted two ch- not adopted—that she had two children with via surrogacy. And so when I spoke to Holder, I spoke to Holder the day after my TED Talk. And I told her, I said, you're you're a hero for this. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you know how few women could be with a man who's a good man, who who doesn't need you for money, who treats you good, that's not hard on the eyes, that's, everything is fine. Most women would never break up with someone like that. They just wouldn't. Mm Mm-hmm they would settle. What when she did that, it resonated with me so much because I feel like I'm very brave in the way I approach my life because I don't settle and I don't rest on my laurels, right? So, Dimitri, I have not even said this to anyone, but I am moving on. So, you know, you won't see me on TV doing fashion and pop culture on a regular basis anymore. I'm moving forward. I am going to pursue acting full-time, and I'm doing my motivational speaking, and I have a fairy godmother show that I'm I'm going to develop. Tell us more. What is this fairy godmother show? It's basically going to be what I've always done in real life, which is um, help people uh, attain their dreams, connect the dots for people. So I'm going to do that on television. So I imagine it being like Shark Tank meets Ayala Van Zandt fix my life. So, Bevy fixed my life and helped me find money? Yes. Okay, that works. Yes. That works. That tracks. Okay. Because that's okay. me, right?
2: That is. That is. You have a knack for it, and it's also something, like, you enjoy. Yes. Like, you get great pleasure in,
1: like, bringing people together. The strategy. The strategy of it all. Yes. Yes. I, I do get great pleasure in that. And that's something, too, like, we all have to find our gifts. And, you know, once I left advertising, I thought I would leave a leave the strategist bevy alone. But what I've found, and I know you can testify to this too, Demetria, being a strategist is needed desperately when you're in entertainment. Yes. So it's right up your alley. Can we talk about like the reality of
2: settling? Because I think sometimes people say, don't settle. And for the people who are listening, who receive it, they say, okay, like I'm not going to settle and I'm going to make these changes in my life. And they think that They're going to make this change. They're going to choose themselves and they're going to fall into their new thing immediately and perfectly. And it's going to pay off right away. And one of the things that I love about your story is that you're very honest about what it means to like make a pivot in your life to decide, okay, I'm not going to settle. I'm going to do something else. And you're like, so I did that. And I was also broke for five years until things picked up. That's right.
1: How that could have been a very ugly moment in my life, but instead in the book, it's the, ble- the broke but blissful chapter, right? So when you're changing your life and you're making these pivots and you're not settling, um, you have to really come from a space of gratitude. Your attitude has got to be filled with gratitude because that's the only way to make it. Because when you're changing your life, and especially if you've been successful in your old life, Like if you're changing your life and you never really had any hits on the board, who really cares, right? Like they're like, okay, there she goes again trying to do something else. No one's really talking about that. But if you have had real significant wins in your life, and then you give that up to do the unknown and the unproven, oh, you're gonna have a bunch of naysayers. So, and you'll probably go through some rough patches. So you have to be able to look on the bright side. You have to be able to tap into your optimism. You have to be a bit of a Pollyanna in order to survive not settling. It's not easy. It's, it's, it's uh, on the um, outside. It seems much easier to just settle. But like I said in the beginning of this, when you get into it, when you do the deep dive, when you're in it for years, And then you realize you've settled and how miserable you are. I mean, that's the reason why we see so many people changing their lives in their 50s and 60s. And as a matter of fact, my friend Carlos Greer said to me the other day, he said, you know, Bevy, what you've done is really special because a lot of people will change their lives, but only because they are forced. And you continue to uproot and make these great big upheavals in your life, but by choice. And it's because I'm driven to that. And I, and you know, people are afraid of change, but I really do embrace change. Change will do you good is really what I believe. In my talk, I talk about, yeah, I'm, I like put away a lot of things. Like I, I literally said when my last TV show went off the air that I wasn't going to go after any more pop culture jobs. And in the, in the talk, I say, but then I'm on social media and I'm seeing people doing jobs that I would have been perfect for because I can do them very well. But I didn't even get a call, Demetria, and then I'm a bit of heavy. <laughs> what is that
2: about? Because I literally did that the other day. Someone I know got a really high profile job and I was like happy for them. Don't want them not to have it. It's, I don't, I'm not a hater. But I was like, nobody
1: even called me. Right. Well, that's because, you know, that's the ego at play, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh. Well, how could they have even filled it without even considering me, darling? And the thing is, is that we've already made it clear in professional spaces, but also to the universe that we don't want those things anymore. So we should not be bitter when we don't get the calls. You said you ain't wanted, it, right, girl? Okay. So watch the universe work. So that's why, you know, words have power. And that's the reason why when I just told you that um, you won't see me on TV doing fashion and pop culture on a regular basis anymore, I have to really stand in that. Because now I've said it, like, this is the universe I'm talking to. Your podcast goes into the world. That's in the ether. That has power. And so now the universe has heard me and they're going to be like okay girl you're on the no pop culture show you're on the no fashion show okay and so now I can't be bitter bevy if um some new talk show comes up a panel show and I'm not e- I don't even get a call i don't want the job see that's the thing that's a gotcha gotcha you don't even want it you just want to be asked asked F- that's ego pure ego pure ego pure ego mm-hmm. you have a great
2: solution for how to get around that Something about the notes.
1: Yes. Take a note, give a note. So when you're looking at the outside world and they're doing all these things, you know, the FOMO that we get from the social media, before you get your face all twisted up and get a a good old, I can't even, what is going on? Before you do any of that, you take a note. You assess the situation honestly. Your skill set versus theirs your wage your your quote your how much money you want to make versus how much money you think they want to make cuz you know that does come into play mhm um do you even really want it or do you just want to be asked you take all these notes and usually when you come out from taking the notes you realize yeah it wasn't for me and that's the reason why that person has it because it's for them. And then when you realize that, you give a note. You go on the social media. You say, congratulations on the new gig. I know you're going to do incredibly well. You DM, D, DM them, old cocktails or something. Or my favorite is when you pick up the phone. You go, girl, Al, you did that. Okay. Everything to me. We got to celebrate you. Automatically. Your attitude shifts automatically, you feel better because you're extending grace to someone, and it's a genuine thing. You don't want it, it wasn't right for you. It's not for you. If it was for you, you would have it. So, back away and extend grace and be happy for that person because what's for you is for you, and it will surely come to you. Doesn't it always? It does. It does. But that's the reason why we got to get our patience games together. Patience is a virtue. And so very few people really understand how to be patient. But it's one of my greatest gifts. I think it's between being a strategist and being a patient person. I think that's the reason why I have so many wins. My dad is really good
2: for that. And he was like, just wait, just wait. You don't have to take the first thing. You have to take the second thing. Just wait. It'll happen. Just wait. And I'm like, dad, dad, dad. He's like, calm down. Yeah. Wait.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. It's okay.
2: Or just keep living, as my grandmother says. The ark said, "The arc of life is long."
1: Yes, and and you do have to just keep living. That's that's my whole thing. And I I always tell people, if I can just continue to live, I'll get everything I want. But it's also very important that you understand what it is that you truly want. And then that you're being an active participant and going after what it is that you want. Someone said to me yesterday, well, if I didn't get it, it's you always say, um, you know, I- if it's for you, it's for you. Yeah, I do say that. But I also say that you have to do apply work to that. So you can't think that something is for you and you're just going to do nothing and it's going to show up on your doorstep. That's not the way that works. A vision board doesn't work because you paste some pictures on a board. It's because you put energy into those pictures that you pasted on a board.
2: You'd be surprised by how many people think that that's all it takes. Like you can just manifest it like a vision board or just thinking about it really hard. Like that's all it takes to get what
1: you want. And I wish it did happen that easy. It doesn't. You have to do the work. But the work is so rewarding, Because then when you actually get what you've been working towards, oh, wow. It's like manna from heaven. There's no better feeling.
2: Also, when you do the work, like you show up knowing how to to do the job. Oh, yeah. Like there's certain things you just can't cut corners in. Like you have to, you know, go through the ups and downs. You have to make the mistakes. You have to learn how to figure it out. Like you literally have to do the work, go through the process to improve yourself. Um, to get yourself to the level that you want to be at. And there's no way around that. There's
1: no way around that. Like, you know, um, I was in Harlem, the Amazon series, the first season, and Mm -hmm. I had three lines. I told this on your podcast before, I had three lines, but I studied for eight hours for three lines. And because I studied for eight hours for three lines, I got three scenes in that. And now I'm coming back for season two. You see, hey. if I had just taken the three lines and been flipping about it, well, child, it's a throwaway, it's three lines. I wouldn't be back. And I would not have gotten more lines in the first season, right? Yeah. And and that goes, to, that goes for any profession. I remember when I was a receptionist and I did, I went above and beyond what I was uh, paid to do. I felt like the reception area was my space. So when you came in, I greeted you cordially. I asked if you wanted me to hang up your coat. That wasn't my job. I also asked if you wanted some coffee. Again, not my job. But I did all those things and of course people noticed. And then of course I got promoted. And you know, the rest is advertising history. But if I had just been like, this ain't nothing, this little receptionist job, child, please. I'll put some effort behind it when I become a account um supervisor. I would have never become a, a account supervisor, right? Do the work.
2: Do the work. The last part of your talk, you talk about self-help. And you talk about the importance of knowing who you are at your core. Did you
1: always know? No, to thine own self be true. Yeah. I, um, which I crib from Willie Shakespeare. I knew and then I put her away. Put Little Brown Bevy away because she didn't fit into what I thought I wanted my life to look like. So I thought I wanted to be the hottest chick in the game. Big Beth from Uptown, and although she served me very well, and I had a lot of fun with that persona, I don't even know what that looks like at 55. And so I put, you know, Little Brown Bevy away and put Big Bet from Uptown up front. And then I put Beverly Smith fashion executive. And, you know, there's a a part in the the talk where I talk about bitchy Bevy. That was, you know, Beverly Smith fashion executive who had 10 assistants in five years. So I put all these other personas ahead of little brown Bevy. And there she was always waiting in the background, patient, because she would show up. Because she was too powerful to really be exercised out of my spirit. And then, at the age of thirty three, when I decided to change my life, I started bringing her out. And then, by the time I turned thirty eight and quit my job, that's who really showed up. And I've been working with her ever since. So it's important to do the work so that you figure out who you are at your core, because we've all buried ourselves, our true, our true core. We've buried it. Under these personas that we we take on that we think are protecting us, and for some time, they often do protect us. They serve a purpose, but no, you can't you can't really survive being someone else and taking on some other traits that are not germane to who you are in your spirit. It's not going to work.: It gets exhausting after a while. Yes. Do you know just that? like settling? Exactly, It's like settling. What a blessing, right? To get to that space where you can really do the work where you're listening to your spirit and that's the loudest voice that you hear and that's the one that you'll listen to. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. And I think it's so, that's, I was saying earlier that
2: it's so important that people talk about and are transparent about the work, again, that keeps coming up, the work that it takes to to build the kind of life that you want.
1: If I could teach us as Black women anything i think the most important thing i want us to understand is that life is always going to be uncertain we just fool ourselves into thinking we have security we don't and if you didn't learn that in 2020 then you you missed the entire point of the pandemic it was to show you that there's no security and so we have to really get be okay with the unknown and the uncertain and all we can do is do the best that we can so that when the uncertainty does pop up, that we do have toilet paper and we have a hand sanitizer, right? (laughs) But that's it. That's it. The basics to get by. The basics to get by. And, And then if we can get good with that, then that opens up a whole world for us then we can all be Demetria Lucas. We can all be Bevy Smith. And we can all be these women that go through life as a grand adventure versus going through life pensive and afraid and always trying to calculate risk so much so that we don't even really enjoy our lives. And then we get to be 60 and we're like trying to be Stella, as in getting the groove back. If you can embrace uncertainty... Then you can go forth into the world and live. The sooner
2: the better. The sooner the better. Like, don't wait till you're... St- I mean, there's nothing wrong with 60. I mean,
1: no.
2: rather do it late than do it, you know, not do it at all. Right. But the earlier you can just be like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to live. It's so much better. So it's so much more interesting. Yes. There's never a dull moment. I'll give it that.
1: And it's so much more rewarding. Like, I think, that, you know, I just had a conversation with someone because right before I was going to quit my job at the age of 38, I was also about to buy a brownstone. I decided not to buy the brownstone and instead uh, choose this life that I have now, you know, trying to pursue it. And I met someone and they were like, oh, my God, but the brownstone would be worth so much money. I said, yep, and I would have been living in it in a misery, <laughs> okay, So I would have had this incredible piece of property and inside I would have been corrosive and withered and stunted and miserable because the things, the things are trappings. That's why they call them trappings. Trappings. Yeah. The things weigh you down. Things weigh you down. There's a reason why Erica said bag lady, pat light. Yeah. Act like, I'm not saying don't own all your homes, ladies. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying don't get yourself your handbag, your your G-wagon, whatever the things it is that you want. But do not become a slave to those things and do not let them dictate how you're going to determine your real sense of happiness. Do not allow them to do that to you because that's what it does. It's a trap. It's a trap.
2: Bevy, thank you for your words of
1: wisdom. I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy talking to you too, my love. You teach me so much. I'm so inspired by you. I cannot wait to see you in Ghana. Um, and so when we're in Ghana, then we'll take a trip over to Senegal to see Kahende at Black. Yes, Park.
2: I told you. I'm like that's on my bucket list. I'm going to put it out into the universe. Is I want to be in his um, his artist residency. I want to go there and just like write for two months three months, and be inspired by the other creatives and also the country.
1: Perfect. Well, you know, that's a friend of mine. What did I say about the fairy godmother? I'm going to connect the dots with you and Kahinde. When we are in West Africa, we're going to tootsie roll our ass right on over the synagogue. Woohoo! And you're going to meet Kahinde proper-like. And Kahinde, trust me, when I tell him that somebody's a good thing, he knows I mean it. So you my good thing. We're going to go together, okay? Thank you, Bevy. I love you, little <laughs> Demetria. You're always gonna be little Demetria to me, by the way.
2: I know. I appreciate it. I let you be. <laughs> and so we're gonna have people tune into this to, this uh TED Talk, which is up now yes. when we're when this airs, it'll be up. And they're gonna find it on the TED platform. They could just go on YouTube and Google it. But yes. They have to go to like it is TED.com. It's that easy. So we're gonna watch, we're gonna support, and I think it's gonna generate a lot of conversations. So I'm very excited for you. Congratulations
1: again. Thank you, baby. This is big. Thank you, my love. And the best is yet to come because it gets greater later. All right, my baby. My baby.
2: Don't you just love her? Bevy makes me so happy. You need someone in your life who just tells you to like go do big shit, go dream big. Like I call Bevy with ideas sometimes and Bevy like bigger, bigger. Is that is that the best? Bigger. You need somebody in your life that pushes you that way. And Bevy is one of those people for me. So I'm super excited about her TED Talk. As I said, um, I haven't seen it. At the time that I'm taping this, I haven't seen it. I've just read it. And the read was good. So Bevy puts her, you know, her bevy on it. So I'm excited to give it a watch later today. I think that's not everything. There's still a couple things that we left out, but that's what we got for the day. And because this is a Friday episode, what we've got for the week. So I'll be back next week with more Ratchet and Respectable Antics. And if you have not picked up your merch for Ratchet and Respectable, and many of you have, thank you always for supporting Ratchet and Respectable. And if you have not just yet, there's Ratchet and Respectable merch available on the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. So pick up your merch. We've got most of the sizes in for the Ratchet and Respectable, for Interested Men Act Interested, and for Cut the Check. So head on over to the site, pick up your merch, take a picture when you wear it, share it with me. i like to see you in the merch. And yeah, we'll talk again soon.